a great opportunity. I, I pray that you took advantage of the opportunity you just had to worship Jesus today. I love that our worship team, uh, their goal is to point us to Jesus, not to point to themselves. And, and I think they do an amazing job of just honoring God with some God-given talents that they have. And so, hey, good morning this morning. All right, I'm going to see if you're ready. God is good. And all the time. All right, I guess I just need to trust you now and not preface it, right? You guys are awesome. Man, it has been a great week uh, as we have joined the story. It started last Sunday with, uh, as, uh, as some of us around here know, the, the pastor Haley preached for us last week. And so I am, uh, I am thankful uh, for my dad and for my mom and all the investment they had in my life and uh, continually investing in my life. And uh, so join the story. What we're, our goal this week was for you to um, hear some stories from uh, some of our missionaries and, and to realize that, that some of you haven't got to be a part of that story. And so maybe today you're going to grab this commitment card. You're going to check that box on there that's in your bulletin for the first time. This is my first faith promise commitment. And some of you have been doing this for a long time around Hallmark. I think in 1967 uh, was the first time that Hallmark introduced a card probably something like this. My guess is it wasn't quite as clear to read, but I don't know. And uh, so I hope you'll join this story uh, through giving. And um, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And as you turn there, I want to give you a quote. This quote I read this week, and it says, The Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of missions. The Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of missions. The nearer we get to Him, or the nearer we get to Christ, the more intensely missionary we become. L let me say that again. The Spirit of Christ is the, is the Spirit of missions. And the nearer we get to Christ, the more intensely missionary we become. In other words, when we think about the Bible, we think about the story of the scriptures. We think of the story of the Bible. It's really one story. It, it's one story of God redeeming his people. It's one story of God going on mission to redeem his people. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, Adam and Eve fell into sin and they made a, a, a terrible choice and they sinned and because sin entered into the world. Uh, death entered into the world. Sin always leads to death and destruction. And even in the garden, there was a sacrifice that was made. There was blood that was shed to cover, to make an atonement for the sin. All the way back into Genesis chapter 3. And then God sent his son, Jesus, because Peter tells us God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God sent his son, and he sent Jesus on mission to redeem us to himself, to give us freedom that Carlos talked about already this morning. So I want to make a few statements about that. When we think about the story of the Bible, the story of the Bible is God on mission to restore the broken relationship that sin broke. So when we think about this, God sent his son on mission to restore the broken fellowship. And then we got this statement on the screen here that says, therefore, God sent his son on mission to restore the broken fellowship. Therefore, there's some statements we're going to make and we're going to build upon these. 
Since God sent his son on mission, therefore God is a missionary God. God is a missionary God. And in the next statement, not only is God a missionary God, but the Bible is a missionary book. And not only is the Bible a missionary book, but the gospel is a missionary message. The good news that you can have salvation and forgiveness of sin, it's a missionary message. Not only is the gospel a missionary message, but the church is a missionary institution. The church is a missionary institution. And then the next statement, the church has many responsibilities, but only one mission. And that is the evangelization of all nations. And that's what Pastor Haley talked about last week. He talked about Acts 1-8, that you shall be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, in the uttermost parts, all nations. And he went to Matthew 28, and he said, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, all ethnic groups. That's the mission of the church. That's the goal of the church. We are to make disciples who make disciples. That's the mission. When we're talking about missionaries, I think sometimes it can be confusing, so let's just define this word. What is a missionary? A missionary, this is going to be a really deep definition. A missionary is someone sent on mission. Okay, does that make sense? A missionary is someone sent on mission. So let's think for a moment. If you're here at Hallmark very often, you've probably heard this phrase a lot. Every, almost every Sunday morning without fail, when we leave the place, before we are finally dismissed, you notice Ben doesn't say you're dismissed. What he says is church isn't over. It's time to go out and what? See, Ben, they're listening. He's like, yes church is not over it's time to go out and and to be the church what is that what is that saying it's saying you're being sent out on what mission so are you as a christ follower are you a missionary you better be you're supposed to be you're sent on mission to go what make disciples of all nations so every one of us are missionaries if we're a Christ follower, but we today are going to get to celebrate some foreign missionaries. We just send them on mission in a different location. Your, your mission field is where you live. Your mission field is where you work. Your mission field is where your kids play sports. Their mission field happens to be, uh, for the Rouches, it's Zambia. Anyone been here, been, been to Zambia before? Got one in the back, okay, a couple over here. All right, there's a few of you I would like to send to Zambia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bruce will take you, right, Bruce? But what Pastor Haley said last week was we are a church and we are a going, missions is going and sending. And sometimes when we hear the, the word going in our minds, we think, yes, yeah, it's going. It's, it's that family that's going to Spain. They're going on mission. No, going is is what the scripture was really saying, go make disciples. It was saying as you go, wherever you go. So when you go to work, you are on mission. You're a missionary at work. When you go to play golf, fish, hunt, shop, if that's what you do, you, you, are, you are on mission. You're sent. As a follower of Christ, you are sent to make disciples. Turn me there. I think you already maybe are turned there. Romans chapter 10. 
Romans chapter 10, and this is a very familiar verse of Scripture. And as I read this verse of Scripture, I'm going to ask, uh, we have four of our missionaries, four of the men that are going to come up. So if, if you four guys that are prepared would already come up here as, as I read this, that would be awesome, all right? So Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Think about that statement. If you confess with your mouth, this is the gospel. We said that, that the gospel is on mission. We're to take the gospel to all creatures, all nations, all people groups, all ethnic groups. And this is the gospel. What the gospel simply is, is the good news. And here's the good news. If, look, this is what it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. See, salvation is found in no other name except the name of Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. If, if you uh, believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, that's the gospel. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what does the rest of the verse say? You shall be what? Saved. And I know we sometimes think, well, saved is a church word. No, it's not. It's a Bible word. It's I'm going to be saved from my sins, and I'm going to be saved to a relationship with God, my creator, that was broken because of sin. He goes on to say in verse number 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. So I believe, I confess. And then verse number 13, what does it say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. 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 Then Paul asked four questions. Okay, four questions in the following verses. And they're going to be on the screen, and it's, it's really verses 14 and 15, but on the screen they're going to look a little different than just, you know, a scripture verse typed out. Here's the four questions Paul says, because the declarative statement is, Whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. In other words, what Carlos was talking about, this freedom in Christ. If you call on Christ for salvation, you can have freedom in Christ. You can have forgiveness of sins. That's the, the, the declarative statement. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then Paul is going to ask four challenging questions. And he says in verse 14, How then shall they call on him and who they not believed? So it's simple, verse 13, call the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And then Paul asks this question, but how can they call on someone in whom they've not believed? Then he asks another question, how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And, and this word preacher here doesn't mean me, okay, exclusively. It doesn't mean pastor. Preacher simply means someone who's going to proclaim how, how can they believe in someone if someone doesn't tell them, if someone doesn't proclaim it to them? Then the next question, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? Th these four questions um, are fleshed out in what we call worldwide missions. Because there's people all over the world today who, if they had heard of Jesus, they would have an opportunity to call on Jesus. But because no one's told them about Jesus... Well, what Paul is asking, how, how can they believe? And, and I've asked these four men to just give us a short story, a, a, an example of this. An example of Romans 10, 14, and 15. That someone heard the gospel because someone sent the gospel, because someone took the gospel. 
Okay, so who, who wants to go first? We're just going to go down in order. We'll start with you, Chris. All right, this is Chris Moore uh, from Kenya. I'll go ahead and give you the mic. And I appreciate uh, Chris. Uh, I've known Chris for a long time. We won't talk about how old we are. But I, I appreciate Chris and Lisa and uh, the way they gave up what God had given them uh, to go to Kenya. So, Chris, would you, would you share for us? Um, good morning. Good morning. See you guys. Thanks for letting us come back. Driving down the road, heading somewhere, and I came into a, a little city center. Noticed a large crowd on the side of the road. Usually in Kenya, if there's a crowd, there's usually two reasons. Someone's selling something or someone's in trouble. It, it was the latter. It was kind of like a ravine, and I could tell that there was a fight going on in this large crowd, probably a couple hundred people. I drive a pickup truck with a big old bar on the front, so I get off-road and I push my way through the crowd, honking my horn, shoving people out of the way to get to the center of this angry group. When I find myself at the center, I open up my door and I look out and there's these two men with clubs beating this young girl horribly. Blood is everywhere, her clothes are torn. And I jump out and I say, Simama, Tavadali Simama, stop, please, please stop. And I say, Why are you beating this girl? What terrible thing has she done? And the men stopped beating her and looked at me. The crowd stopped chanting. And he said, she has stolen a phone. And I, uh, I said, so you're willing to kill this girl over a phone? You see, in Kenya, we don't trust the police to do their job and incarcerate people because they're paid a bribe and then criminals are released. And so the public just takes matter into their own hand and they kill criminals. Well, here they are about to kill this girl over a phone. And I said, hang on a second. What is the value of the phone that she stole? And they looked at each other and someone close in the crowd said, I, uh, something around $15. And I look at this man who's actually got her arm and blood all over him from her, and I said, you're going to kill her over $15. And he said, yes. He said, if you'll get out of the way, we'll finish what we're doing here. I, I reached in my pocket. I said, I got $15. I said, would you let me buy her from you, please? Can I give you this $15? I held up the $15, and the crowd was... Pretty excited to see $15 is quite a bit there in Kenya. And I said, can I buy her from you? They looked around and the crowd said, take that white man's money. <laughs> I got some Swahili speakers here today. Am I saying it right? Yeah, yeah, good. He goes to take the money. I said, no, put her in the front of my car. She can't, she can barely walk. Her clothes are almost gone. She's blood all over. He slides her into my front seat. I give him the money. I get back into my car, and I honk the horn, and I drive out of the crowd. She's crying and sobbing, and I'm trying to rush her to our clinic where Lisa and a team are waiting. I called ahead, and they were able to stitch her up and stop the bleeding, and she was pretty messed up. The next day, I asked her her story. I said, what's going on? What happened? She said, I did not steal that phone. She said, I left my home a couple of months ago, I came down to the coast to find a job, and I met some men who said if I would sleep with the tourist men, I could make a lot of money. And she said they were right. 
There's plenty of tourist men, and I can make lots of money sleeping with men. She said, I'm guilty of being a prostitute. She was, she was 18, by the way, 18 years old. She said, I'm guilty of being a prostitute, but I never stole that. We began to share God's word with her, and I told her that there was a man one day that was condemned, and I said, much like you, he was in the middle of a crowd who was wanting to kill him for something he did not do. And as he hung on the cross, he, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know what, not what they do. And I said, a man named Jesus gave his life for you. And there on that mud floor in our pastor's house, she gave her life to Christ. And then she looked up with tears in her eyes, and she said, today I have been saved twice. She said, you saved me from an angry crowd who wanted to kill me. She said, you saved my life. And she said, and now today, my eternal life has been saved because you've told me about a man who died for me. Well, thank you, Chris. Um, and I say the questions. How can someone call on someone they haven't believed? How can they call on someone they've never heard? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how, can, how can Chris tell her, except for churches like this, people like you, send them? And so it's a, it's a celebration today, isn't it? That, that, I, that story, her story, it's all God's story, but he let me be a part of that story. That's awesome. Uh, Charles, I've known Charles about, I think, my whole life. Uh, he's a year or two older than I am. And, uh, but, but Charles has been serving faithfully uh, in Zambia. And so I appreciate you, Charles, being willing to share a story with us today. Can we get that picture up here? Yes, he's got a picture that he wants to show. In, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul said, Not because I desire a gift. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Uh, most of us, uh, most people who can, have some investments of some kind. We, we expected some dividends from that investment. And this verse Paul's talking about, he says, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And um, I had a Zambian one time ask me, one of the preachers, he said, Preacher, tell me this, why is it that Americans always say, I want, I want, I want, because I was, I was saying that, you know. How many times we say that through the day? I said, what do you mean, Brother Chongo? And he said, well, what about what God wants? And I've never forgotten that. Uh, the man that you're looking at, his name is David Zulu. About two years ago, I started this uh, story yesterday, but I want to kind of finish it today. I'd gone out to uh, a lake to do some fasting and praying, ser searching God for His will in my life. And, and uh, while I was there, uh, I was just spending quiet time alone with the Lord. This man walked up, and um, I was sitting at an old picnic table, and, and he said, would, Bono, would you like some firewood? And it was cold. I said, yes, I would appreciate that very much. And he says, what are you reading? I said, uh, this is the Bible, this is God's Word. And I said, what is your name? He said, my name is David. And I'm telling you this just to tell you that we ought to take every opportunity that God gives us mm -hmm. uh, to, to witness for Him and to, to lead people to the Lord. And he said, my name is David. I said, David, let me ask you a question. 
He said, okay. I said, David, if you were to die right now today, I said, I hope you don't, but if you were to die right now and you were to stand outside of heaven's gates and God the Father were to step out and say, David, why? For what reason should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? See, with Zambians, we take our time. We don't get in a hurry. And he said, oh, he said, missionary, I would go to hell. I said, David, if you would let me take a few moments and show you in God's word how you could know that you're going to heaven, would you give me a few minutes? He said, oh, missionary, is that possible for me to know that I'm going to heaven? Is that even possible? I said, yes, it is, and I'd like to show that to you. I said, do you believe this is the Bible, God's word? He said, oh, yes, I believe that's his word. And I invited him to sit down. I started out, as I always do, with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, because they are so steeped in works. I went to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, Ephesians 6, 10, 6, 23, and then I ended up in Romans chapter 10, where Pastor John just read. I said, now, now David, we're going to make this very personal. God's Word is a personal book. And it says that if thou... We're going to put David's name in there. That if David shall confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in David's heart that God has raised him from the dead, uh, thou shalt be saved. We went through every one of those verses and put his name every place that it was personal that we could put it in. And I spent about two hours with him making sure he understood what we were talking about. And then it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, David, would you like to pray right now and ask Jesus? I said, do you understand that Jesus died on the cross for you? He said, yes, I do. I said, do you understand that when it's talking about eternal life, he said, how long is eternal? Oh, he said, it's miyaya, forever. I said, would you like to have that kind of a life? that you know is forever in heaven. And he said, oh, I, I really would. I said, then you need to pray and ask the Lord to come into your heart. Uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be, what? He said, saved. And then it says, for whosoever, that includes Charles, that includes David, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be, and then I stopped again, he said, ah, saved. And he said, but missionary, I don't know how to pray. I said, yes, you do. He says, no, I, I never learned how to pray. I said, you know how to talk to me? He said, yes. I said, then you just talk to God. You forget I'm even here. You just talk to God freely like you're talking to me. And uh, I said, it says that if thou shalt confess, if whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. I said, I can't call upon the name of the Lord for you. I said, I did that many years ago. I said, David, just the best way you can, just know that the Lord is listening. He's calling you to himself right now, and he's listening. He's hearing you. Will you ask him to save you and repent of your sins? And in his very simple and broken English way, he bowed his head, and he said, Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. 
and save me and take me to heaven when I die. God's word is so powerful. In a man's life, in a woman's life, in a child's life, when they don't understand anything about life except death and disease, and then they hear that they can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Oh, what, and that's, that's what being a missionary is, is the privilege. And we want to thank you for sending us. We're the ones that get to lead people like David to the Lord. And we're doing it as fruit, that fruit may abound to your account. A year later, David was helping to teach in the little church that was started because of that day of salvation. I was searching God that day to see, God, are you ready? You want me to stay in Zambia because if you want me to stay, I'll stay the rest of my life. If you want me to leave, I'm ready to leave. I can do that now. God confirmed he was not done with Charlie Rouch in Zambia. And I thank the Lord for that. But I want you to look at that. Look at his face real well. You're going to see him again. You will shake his hand one day. He'll never come here, I'm sure of that. And most of you, if any, will not go there. But you will meet David Zulu again. And it is fruit to your account. Thank you for sending us so that we can do this again and again and again. Wow. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, again, I, I just want to keep reiterating, these are all God's stories. But God lets us be a part of the story he's writing. And uh, that's, that's why I love missions. That's why I love giving. That's why I love going, sending, uh, because it's just an opportunity for God to let me be part of, of the story he's writing. Uh, so appreciate you. Adolfo, uh, Adolfo, they are transitioning from uh, Mexico to Spain. And uh, so I know he's got a great story for us. I appreciate you and your wife, Adolfo. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. So today I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself, why should I join the story? We've been hearing great stories. You'll hear more. And I'm sure all the missionaries have a lot more stories. But why should you join the story? You know, when you join the story and talking about missions, it implies you're going to give. It implies you might go. Why should you do that? Because it's really getting into an uncomfortable place in your life. Why should you do that? So, because it's worth it. That's one of the main reasons. It is worth it. Sometimes we're scared, what if we do this, and I miss on that, and all that, but it's really worth it, and the stories tell you that. Um, we met a guy uh, when we started the uh, first church uh, several years ago, like 18 years ago, and by the name of Marcial, and he came to the church, and funny, funny, funny guy, but he was a drug addict, like way deep in, 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 in drugs, and he was completely lost, and he said he was saved when he was little, but he was completely lost. Then he uh, confirmed his salvation about 2002, and then started being disciple. And he had a little, like, uh, relapses uh, throughout the way until he finally left that uh, junk and started growing in discipleship. And then he started sharing his faith with somebody else, mm -hmm. with somebody else. Eventually, he became the youth pastor. 
and started preaching in the Sundays. And then as we are here right now, he's in Colorado. He became a church planter, and he's preaching right now. And God did that throughout the years. Wow. And awesome. only God can do that. And as the missionaries, when, when you ask, why should I do that? Because it's worth it. It takes, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. It takes getting out of your comfort zone. But when you see what God can do, it is completely worth it. So I want to encourage you guys because you could be someone surrendering something and then get to see a lot of Marcells around the world more people serving God. It is worth it to serve God. Join, join the story. Awesome. Thank you, Rafa. Thank you. Wow. What a, uh, what, what a great challenge to join, uh, join the story that God is writing. Thank you, Adolfo. From drugs to preaching, that's awesome. Only God can do that, can't he? And uh, uh, maybe this morning, and Carlos mentioned this earlier, maybe this morning, uh, you've never experienced that freedom that God gives you. And uh, maybe you're stuck in the mess, or the word Adolfo used was junk. And, and we want you to know God knows right where you're at. And the reason you're here today is because he wants you to be a part of the story. He wants you to hear what you've heard multiple times today, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Saved. Freedom. And uh, so I appreciate Scott and Christy. They've been here all week, and, and uh, God's using them in amazing ways. They've got an amazing story. They've been to several places, and I, I don't think I'm going to mention where they've been, and, and I'll let them do that if they choose to uh, for security purposes. But uh, Scott is a great story, and, and I appreciate him and his friendship these years. So Scott, would you share with us? Thank you, Pastor John. Um, Romans 10 really is an invitation to all of us to join that story. And the cool thing is anyone can be a part of that, mm -hmm. whosoever, right? And uh, as, we, as we think about uh, the story that God is writing, um, it, it's his story. It's not my story. It's mm -hmm. not John's story. It's not Adolfo's story. It's God's story. And uh, as, we, as we think about uh, you know, how God was, was writing uh, the story in Colombia, South America, we, we met a man named Cesar. And there's a picture that, that you guys can see. And as we uh, were uh, about to start our church in, in Bogota, Colombia, uh, we, we met this guy. We're trying to figure out how we're going to integrate into our community. And the story that, that, that I would like to tell is, is it's, a, it's a longer process. It was, it was something that it took time. And so we began to integrate into our community. We we're trying to figure out how to do that. And, and we came up with this idea to, to start taking Taekwondo classes. And uh, it was just a great way. And we met our coach, Coach Cesar. And so I, I started uh, the, the Taekwondo classes. My daughter then started. And, and then my whole family, my wife, my, my, my boys, we all were all part of these classes. And, and it was a long time ago. And, and every single week, we were three times a week, we were going into class and, and uh, just living the gospel and sharing with him and sharing with others in the class. And, uh, and uh, other people from our church also began to become part of that story. Yeah. They, they bought into that philosophy and others joined in in that, that, uh, those uh, uh, Taekwondo classes. And, and uh, so many people speaking into his life, sharing the word of God in his life praying for him, 
praying for others in that school. Four years later. You see, sometimes in the story, we need patience. Mm -hmm. And we need to walk alongside people. Mm -hmm. And we need to be willing to do that. I remember the night that Cesar called on the name of the Lord. I was there that night. He was led to the Lord by someone else in the church. Even though I personally, you know, bruises and and blood and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and my kids and my wife and others in the church that other people got to join that story. See, this is an invitation for all of us to join. I don't get the glory. John doesn't get the glory. God gets that glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. It's it's uh, what a, what a challenge from from God's word first, and then from these men. Here, here's the truth: you don't need uh, to go to Colombia, or Kenya, or Zambia or Spain to have a story to tell because we're we already read it right we're all missionaries and so what, what I was struggling with on the stage this is not planned to say was that if if we as American faithful churchgoers couldn't come up with a story to tell then what does that say about our faith? Because we don't have to go to Kenya to find someone that doesn't know Jesus. There's, there's people in your neighborhood that don't need Jesus. There's people that these students go to school with that don't know Jesus. There's people at your work. The, the hours and hours that a lot of you spend watching your kids play sports, sitting next to those parents, Yelling all positive things, I'm sure. There's a lot of them that don't know Jesus. And so the invitation to join the story is, is way more than about giving some money. Because God wants you to join the story by telling people. To be on mission. That when we do walk out of the doors every Sunday and every Sunday someone gets up here and says, church isn't over, it's now time to go be the church. That we take that to heart. That every Sunday we get to come and celebrate what God is, is doing all over in our communities and that we've, we've got to tell our story to someone and we've got to share our story. We've, we've added someone to the story. Turn me to Philippians chapter 4, and we're almost done, but uh, Charles already, t- already read this verse for you. But I, I just want to share it in, in kind of wrapping up this morning. As you, you're thinking about, some of you have been praying about, what, what are we going to give? And, and, and I even heard uh, a, a couple this morning as they were walking into the, the sanctuary, hey, we, we didn't talk about our card yet, and I've been thinking about it, you've been thinking about it, and and so maybe this morning you're still thinking about it, praying about it. But Philippians chapter 4, and, and Paul's writing this letter, you know, he wrote this letter, the, 
what we call the book of Philippians to a church. It was written to a church in Philippi. And, and, and these verses are really, it's almost as if Paul could be writing this letter to Hallmark. I told you Hallmark has a long history of giving to missions. And here's a model, what Paul is going to say in just a few words here, that models what, what we believe is, is, is biblical for us as a church to give money to missionaries who are going all over the world. And this is what Paul says in verse 15 of chapter 4. Now you Philippians, and, and so again he's writing a letter to the church, it's now you here at, at Hallmark, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, so if you don't know, Paul was a missionary, and Paul had several what we call missionary journeys, and so he's referencing one of these journeys. When I left Macedonia to go on mission to another part of the world, he said, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So he's thanking and he is really praising the church of Philippi, all the churches that could have been involved in sending me with the gospel on mission to another part of the world, to unreached people groups. You were the only ones that gave to me. Verse 16. He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once again. In other words, it, it wasn't a one-time gift. Again, later on his journey, when he was in need, when he needed money, the church at Philippi sent more money. Again, for my necessities, verse 17. And this is a verse that Charles read for us already. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. What, what Paul is saying in, in the words that we're using this last week, what Paul is saying is, of course Paul needed the money, but God was going to provide the money, whether, whether you give it or not, God's going to provide the money for these missionaries. Whether the church at Philippi gave or not, God was going to meet the needs of Paul one way or the other. He, but the church at Philippi got to be a part of what God was doing. They got to invest in God's story. And what Paul is saying here. Thank you for your generosity. Not that I necessarily needed the gift because God was going to provide, but I'm glad that you gave because you got to join the story. The story of all the people. I think about when, when Paul uh, was like, I want to go here, I want to go here. No, the Holy Spirit goes here and immediately he goes and he finds this lady, Lydia, the seller of purple. And she gives her life to Christ. And it's just another part of the story that this church got to be a part of. And Paul says, I want you to be a part of this story. He goes on and says in verse 18, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. Look at how he describes a gift given to God for missions. Don't, don't miss this. Paul, again, thank you for giving because now you're a part of the story. But the bigger picture is this. Look, look what it says. It's a sweet, this is the description of the gift. It's a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to, to God. I give because I want to be a part of the story, but I also give because it's got what God wants me to do. And my gift is well-pleasing to God. In verse 19, uh, we take out of context a lot. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And we kind of just blanket that over everything, right? I can live how I want, do what I want, because God's going to supply all my needs according to riches and glory. We've all heard it. We've probably all uh, used it out of context. 
But when Paul is writing this, you, we've just given you the context. The context is, because of your generosity to give towards missions and the sacrifice that they made, Paul says, because it was a sweet aroma to God, a sacrifice, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So when I sacrifice, and, and I really use that word loosely, when I sacrifice to give a little more to missions, it's a sacrifice that smells sweet to the Lord. And he says, it's the promise in Scripture, I, I'm not going to go in need. God's going to supply. So I get to join the story. I get to please the Lord. And he's going to provide. It's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. And it's very clear. This is what Paul was commending the church for. And, and can I say to you as a church, some of you have been, been here a lot longer than I have. I commend this church for your faithfulness to give. For some of you, you've, you, you've filled out these cards for 40, 50 years. And I think one day, what, what's the fruit that's already been added to your account? So why would I make this commitment this morning? I, I want to please the Lord. When they, when they tell these stories, I got to be a part of what God was doing in Zambia, in Kenya, and all over the world. And, and, and I'm just going to be really honest with you this morning. If, if, you're, not, if you're not giving to missions... You're not in that story. You, you could be, but you're not. And that's what Paul was saying. I, I just want you to be a part. Don't miss out on the blessing of giving. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I'm going to ask Ben and the, and the worship team, they're going to prepare. We're, we're going to close in a worship song this morning. But, but this is a moment for you. I know some of you probably ha are still you know, still been praying about what are we going to, what commitment are we going to make? I've been telling you that this part of the service, we're just going to take a time this morning uh, of prayer over these commitment cards. And, and, and so in a moment, we're going to stand. What I'm asking you to do, if you've got these cards ready, uh, there's a pen right there in a pew if you need to fill out the amount real quick. And just fill out the amount. Come lay it at the altar this morning. You can lay it on the steps. You can lay it right here by the speakers. And, and then I want you to, whether you're standing or whether you kneel or sit on the front row here, just, just pray for a moment. And, and what I'm asking you to pray about is that God would provide for this commitment and that you would pray for our missionaries all over the world and that you could be a part of God's awesome God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, you are worthy. Thank you for these stories we get to hear. And Lord, it's, it's just a small little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. Think for a moment of getting to be in your presence and hearing story after story after story. Lord, help us as we make this commitment today as individuals, as couples, as families, as a church that more of us would be a part of your story. We love you, God. 
We thank you for the opportunity to give back to you.